0: thanks for joining us you're listening to the life church podcast in these episodes you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services if you'd like to know more about us watch a live stream or find the closest eastern iowa campus near you go to lifechurchnow.org well we are continuing today in the series um 80 hills worth dying on and Pastor Rich has been uh, preaching on this. He actually created these uh, values when he planted the church uh, over 15 years ago. And they've just been such time-tested. They were so well thought out. Uh, they truly characterize who we are who we wanna be. So uh, we'll get to the specific value for this week, but I, I wanna set it up by saying you know, our dispositions make it difficult for us to get close to people sometimes, don't they? Just who we are. Uh, the environments we were raised in make it difficult for us to get close to people sometimes. Um, the hurt we've experienced by other people or life itself make it difficult to get close to people sometimes. Um, our wounded and trapped mindsets that are just stuck make it difficult for us to get close to people at times. Um, when I was growing up, I was raised in a a home where mom did not work outside the house. Uh, dad was a minister or pastor for most of those years, and we had very little money all that time. And so I didn't realize just how little, but it, until I got to junior high and especially close to high school. Uh, but then um, the, the issue was, dad was moved, from, moved us from Pennsylvania to Ohio to go to seminary. And then we moved to his first small rural church. And then uh, three years later, we moved to another set of churches back in Pennsylvania. And then three years later, we moved to another small church back in Ohio. And, and so we were moving about every three years. And so, because of that, uh, I, we just didn't have relationships with people. It's that and one other thing. When dad was in seminary, there was a teaching that, or he was taught, that uh, the pastor should not be close. Uh, to anyone in this congregation because you can't be close to everybody. So uh, being close to a, a few would show favoritism and that would in some way damage um, your ability to minister. And so uh, because of all of that, uh, we, we had one vehicle you know, that, that worked most of the time and uh, dad either had it or we didn't have money to go anywhere. So mom and us were at home we stayed at a home, we went to school, which wasn't the most pleasant experience either, but um, uh, we didn't have people at our house. Um, it was just quite an isolated experience. I only come to realize that a little later in life, but that was the truth. And so um, it wasn't until I got into a, a high school and then junior high in a church that uh, we were going to at that point, Dad had taken a job outside of church life. And so we, uh, I, I got to know uh, the teacher of that Sunday school class, that group. And I was over at, their, at his house quite a bit. And his wife uh, was just... So blessed by God that she didn't care what the house looked like. We could come over anytime in the midst of all the young kids and the chaos. And, uh, and so I was there, and so, was, uh, so were others. And when we got into uh, college, uh, there was a college-age group that we just found ourselves. We, we did life as uh, together a lot. And so I just learned to be, began to learn the value of being with people and and the gifts and the skills and the uh, intellect and um, just the life that was in other people that I had not experienced. And so uh, it wasn't until uh, those years, and then we, then Christy and I got married and we were still in the church uh, that I already mentioned. And we were part of a young marriage uh, class, which was so revolutionary. Uh, Incredible leader of that group who just, we learned how to be vulnerable more than we were already. Uh, The group was just tied and knit together. It was my first, uh, my best experience to that point in uh, group life. It was awesome. I want us to, so that's, that's the setup to where I have come from. Uh, I want to take us to Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, which says this As the prisoner of the Lord, Paul speaking, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, uh, it's something very important to understand. When Paul uses the words one another, when they're using scripture like this, and he uses them a lot, one another means the group together, the body of Jesus. Um, so, so so, when we run into these commands, they are commands for individuals, but uh, larger than that, they're commands for a group of people, not just for an individual. Because you can't do one another with just one, Most of us are comfortable with one, it's that other part that is the challenge for us. There are 48 one another's in the New Testament that are commands, three of them in the Gospels and uh, 45 in Paul's writings. There are other one another's like, uh, you know, they turned to one another and said, but but of, of those that are commands, Uh, There are 48. Um, Probably the most best known is this one in John. Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And we get a whole greater picture of what life with one another is like in Paul's writings. I just chose a few here for now. Uh, he says things like, be devoted to one another, live in harmony with one another, accept one another, agree with one another, bear with and forgive one another, encourage one another. See, there's a truth. Uh, there are things that don't exist in you or can't be proven that exist in you, can't be developed in you if you're on your own. They can only, they're only they only called for, they're all called out, they're developed in you, they're sharpened by being together. Okay? So that brings us to this week's value. The value is connected community, connected community. And we say with this value, we aren't meant to be solitary disciples of Jesus. Meaningful relationships with other followers spur us on to everything God created us to be. You and I were created for relationships. Now. Sometimes those aren't valued very much, especially in church life here in America today. Uh, we value individualism, don't we? That's just, that's just the case, especially in America. We value that a lot. But God is a God of relationship. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one to begin with. He sent Jesus uh, to die for us uh, to forgive sins so that our relationship could be restored with him. Uh, So, uh, the church uh, needs to understand when we talk about the church, we're not talking about uh, a single person, we're not talking about, you know, an elbow, it's not that uh, the church is uh, individuals, the church is not Pastor Rich, the church is all of us together. And so if we're going to understand maturity in the body of of Christ, then we have to understand it from God's perspective. So I read an article just uh, uh, very recently uh, from the September issue of Christianity Day in which Miles Wernst says this about the whole problem. The problem is... The bedrock evangelical assumption that Christian life is ultimately an individual adventure and fundamentally between God and just the one soul. Appealing to individual experience is not the way forward. Sin is, from the beginning, a work of division and separation, a turning of the people into scattered individuals... So God's cure cannot take the form of a disease. Church is life together, or it's not at all. That's kind of, it's kind of hard, um, especially for those of us who are more introverts and would prefer uh, the majority of the time to be by ourselves. Let's go back to... Uh, this list of one another's that Paul, we looked a few of, there's a whole group of them and I put them together, uh, just a single uh, words listed out. Uh, for instance, he says, be devoted to one another, honor one another, instruct one another, encourage one another, serve, teach and admonish one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, encourage, spur on to good deeds uh, each other, Offer hospitality to one another. All right, uh, there's more, but but these give a, a, a sort of a semblance. And so so the challenge is this. If we um, don't have much of a relationship with people, can, people can get the wrong idea about us, or at least they don't know what the real idea is, and we can lie to ourselves. So if I am, when I pass you in the hallway, generally kind on a Sunday morning, you might think, Well, that's really cool. Uh, He is kind, and that's what we're supposed to be with one another. But do we really know? Passing in the hall is not together. And so a lot of these things, we don't get convicted about them because we're we're not behaving badly. But we're not being challenged in our behavior because we're not with people. Who challenge us. If we run into such people we disappear. So, now, some of this stuff of being together is easier for some than it is for others. I understand that some people are social butterflies and some are are real outgoing and extroverts and all that and then there's uh, the other end of the spectrum uh, which I've been in and then there's a middle ground. Uh, Some of you (laughs) uh, burn social fuel at the rate of 45 miles a gallon, and there are others of us who burn social fuel at the rate of six miles a gallon. It takes a heck of a lot more from us to do all of that stuff. Um, So, but the challenge is this. I mean, uh, if you are not mean to someone, (laughs) does that mean you're kind? We don't know, do we? More about one another is from Paul. He says, agree with one another, live in harmony with one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, do not slander one another, do not grumble against one another. So all these things are, these, these ones are just a little bit more pointed. So if you are in relationship with people, um, you're supposed to, and these are believers, all right, These one another's are believers in the body of Jesus. You're supposed to agree with one another. Can I tell you that in most churches, people don't agree with one another? Especially around political issues. Just something I've discovered. Now, it's not talking about uh, things that are debatable. It's talking about uh, uh, fundamentals of Christian responsibility, living an example. Uh, But the whole point is, uh, when we get challenged with other people who believe differently than us, that's when we find out (laughs) if we're forgiving, if we're willing to bear with, um, if we're willing to agree with those people on the things that are true about the gospel, but... that's fine about other things, but here's the problem, sometimes you find out a political leaning of someone and you go, they're a Christian (laughs) and they believe that? So this challenge of agreeing with each other or at least being agreeable with each other is quite a mountainous challenge. And you do not get challenged with that or any of these others live in a harmony with, bear with, forget without being in the proximity of people. You cannot be connected unless you're not close. If you're not close. Because connection requires closeness. And so it's a closeness more than uh, I brush your knee as I slip past you in the aisle. Okay. Now, when I was growing up, uh, I already described some of the, uh, my dispositions, where I came from in, in all that relationship stuff. But when I met uh, Christy in college, we were going to college in um, Ohio. Uh, she was from, and I was from a, a place at that time about a half hour north there, Christy was from Iowa, Wayland, Iowa, just south of here. And uh, her pastor was on the board of trustees at this college, which is how she got there. Anyway, I transferred into the college, and we, uh, through wonderful circumstances, found each other. And uh, all that was great until I came to Iowa to visit her family for the first time. These folks were from a different world. They had people to their house every night. And they just sat around and talked. And they just all wanted to come from this town and and see this wonder from the east. And I don't mean wonderful. I mean this thing from the east. And and some of the stuff that she made, her cooking was, uh, Chrissy's mom's cooking, uh, I just hadn't encountered before. I mean, there was a lot of steak and potatoes with meals and like that, they were big meals. Uh, plenty of food. Uh, but I, I, I grew up not comprehending when people would go to a restaurant and pay for steak. Now, I know we had steak, but it was, poor quality meat, and it was always overcooked. So chewing that tough, tasteless stuff, you know, I, I didn't get it. And here's the real deal then. Uh, her mom made dishes that she put on the table at almost every meal, and they were not all the same dishes, but she called them salads. <laughs> they didn't have any lettuce in them. In fact, some of them were made out of ingredients I didn't know were ingredients, let alone that you could put them in a salad. So the the whole gist of all this, by the time, after several days there, I, with all of the pressure and distress of talking, relating, meeting, and eating stuff, or trying to eat stuff to make a good impression that I didn't want to eat, I became sick. My grandson sympathizing with me, mm. poor guy, yeah. Now, the fact was, I, I, I was relationally stunted. I am, I'm only a few years into this relationship thing, you know, learning how to do that. And I didn't do any of it previously with any of them. <laughs> and, and her brothers, she's the oldest, I'm the oldest in our families. And, and, and the two, she has four children in her family and the two youngest are brothers. One's uh, still with us. Uh, But um, my gosh, we didn't see eye to eye on some things. And I had learned some techniques to be stronger and stand up for myself and appear confident and all those kind of things in the uh, previous couple of years. And, and I wasn't putting up with some of the stuff. And they just didn't come. They did not understand why in the world there would be any value for some music major from the East coming to Wayland, Iowa, to a turkey farm. <laughs> How does, how does that go together? So, uh, we just really had some times. <laughs> Attempting to be as gracious as possible, but um, over time, we did a deep love and respect for each other. And in that setting, in Christie's setting of family who gathered regularly together, we me moved to Ohio, not right after seminary to start a church, um, we were with them often. There were big holiday gatherings, and I and I and I experienced and learned to value a close knit family like I had never comprehended before. So there was a development. It took time, but there was a wonderful. Uh, ability to understand there was value, uh, even though it was scary at times, of closeness. So, being together, being close, um, community is scary. But let me tell you something. Um, especially in church life, it is the place where discipleship happens best at the fastest rate of speed. Why? Well, because. No, you may not be in a a specific uh, regimented study with other people. You may or may not be. But you are with other people who are encouraging you, or teaching you, or walking with you, or experiencing life with you. Who uh, sometimes you just really appreciate, and there's that one person that you just would wish going to another group. But you know, all these things work to uh, smooth the edges off of you, to grow you. So, back to Ephesians four. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people, the church, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now just know again, he's talking about the church. He, he's not talking to you specifically. He didn't give the, those what we refer to as um, vocational ministry people to grow you specifically. I mean, you're part of it, but it was to grow the church together. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. There's the goal. Attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, most of us love when we encounter maturity. Every now and then, our children show up and they've done a task that we didn't even ask them to. <laughs> and you go, wow! Well, there's hope. <laughs> you know, how many have, currently have children at home between the ages of zero and four? Yeah, yeah. And a few others are just refusing to admit it. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there, there's even different levels of maturity from zero between zero and four, right? I mean, there's, there's great cuteness and, and, and playfulness, and it's so incredible, see them smile, recognize you, reach for you, uh, and, then, and then there's an ability by the age of one or so, you know, they've, they've rolled over, they've crawled, they're pulling themselves up probably, maybe they're walking, all those kinds of things, and, 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 and what, what an incredible experience. There's crying, and pooping. And then there's mine, and no! Complex words. And lots of other stuff. But, you know, we hold out this hope, because we know it will happen. There will be an increasing amount of maturity showing up. we expect. Um, you know, I, this is off course a little bit. Have you wondered, uh, we have some of these dear people back in the hallway, in the children's hallway right now, these uh, uh, mature and less mature and growing towards maturity little ones, okay? And they'll be in that state when you pick them up. They're, nothing magic will have happened, okay, sorry. But, but <laughs> I know this is weird. I, I just thought, you know, I wonder what Jesus and his brothers did when they went to temple. I mean, how were they taken care of? Was there toddler temple? Um, did someone from the temple staff go and play them, play with them occasionally? You know, have a rabbi romper time? Um, Or did they go outside to play, you know, for at least a little bit, play with the goats and the sheep and the pigs? Well, no, they didn't go play with the pigs, all right? That went over your head. All right, so um, anyway, but the point is this. We, when we have uh, infants or we have a teenager, We are hopeful, we are looking, we expect that there is a development of different levels of maturity. Ah, there's going to be an ability to do math one day, and then there's going to be an ability to do math quicker and at a higher rate one day, and then there's going to be an ability to, you know, after you tie the shoe, that's very cool, and someday they'll actually wash their clothes, their own clothes, Uh, probably not put them away, that's a different thing, but... Wash them. I mean, we are looking for maturity. Now, some of you have young boys. Um, I have four boys' grandchildren between the ages of four and nine. And uh, whenever they're together, I just can't believe the amount of talk and giggling I hear about bodily functions. Uh-huh. Mimicking bodily functions and laughing and giggling and and interjecting this in the middle of anything. And while we come to understand that's not really all that untypical for boys, we do consider it a sign of immaturity. Someday, they won't do that. Ephesians four, back there to verse 14. Here's the point: Towards maturity, at that point, then we will no longer be infants, babies, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind, of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Many people don't know there's deceitful scheming going on. Satan just drives all kinds of agendas, drives all kinds of things. Perhaps you heard that the world is kind of crazy right now. Messed up. There are always different ideas and different uh, philosophies and different worldviews and opinions about what should be accentuated and what shouldn't be accentuated, what the problem is and how to fix it and what the priorities are and not the priorities. So we need to be in relationship with other Christians so we don't act like babies who can be right along with the rest of the crowd. That's acceptable. That's good. That's wonderful. Um, um, I don't have any way to help myself. I'm I'm helpless, uh, it's your fault, I can't do anything, all that kind of stuff. And so the value of being in close-knit relationships is that there's an ability for people to teach, encourage, direct, uh, wrestle with issues like that with you. So the question is, are you a spiritual baby? Are you a spiritual baby? It's a hard question especially we're putting it in the context of measuring maturity uh, with close-knitness with other believers or a regular set of other believers. Now, I want to say something. I want to acknowledge something. Not everybody can be, uh, at a given time in their life, uh, very close with other people. You may have physical limitations or age limitations, uh, mobility things, uh, or here's another thing. Some of you... And this uh, has uh, marked a number of people in the Life of Life church in the various locations, have experienced very, freak, very recently a punch to the gut because you were hurt by church people somewhere else. Now, I've experienced that. Christian and I have experienced that. I'm not so naive to think there aren't people who, I know there are, who were once part of here, but feel like they were hurt by other people and are no longer here. We're human beings, and man, we we screwed up, don't we? But if you're in that situation, it's legitimate maybe to step back for a little bit, to not be involved, be involved deep. And and I mean you're bent over. You are you're trying to catch your breath about can I trust people again? Maybe you are someone who wrestles with uh, uh, depression and anxiety, okay? And maybe it's very severe. And and to you, I just say, man, don't stay that way. You gotta go get professional help if you haven't done that. And um, go to your family doctor. They'll lead you on the next steps. Uh, it 's always true, though, that what you can 't talk about owns you by anything. And so there 's a the value of being close to it with other people. Now, if none of those scenarios are, 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 are where you 're at, connection is the key. Connection is the key to maturity. Verse uh, uh, chapter four, verse 15. So instead of that stuff being blown all over the place, speaking the truth in love to each other, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, all the pieces, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. So, I'm gonna share something with you that most of you will recognize. I raided our toy closet. Um, This isn't that brand name, but what are these usually referred to as? Legos. Legos. What are Legos meant to be for? Building things. And how do you build things with Legos? Hook them together like that. So cool. All right. Now... this here? So, so we have these Legos for some of the younger kids, and the older ones have some very sophisticated stuff. And, and also, by the way, when uh, you have grandchildren, sometimes things that don't belong someplace get there, but you get the idea. We've got Legos here now. Um, Legos are. Uh, uh, meant for a purpose, and I just want to verify with you and see if we can agree what that purpose is. Um, I am going to sort them by colors, uh, or at least part of them anyway. There we go, we'll put blues over there, we'll put uh, yellows here, etc. cetera. So right there, there's two groups of Legos. Are the Legos doing, being used as they were meant to be used? No. Okay. Let's try this then. We're building with Legos. There. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That might be an illustration of something. (laughs) Are the Legos now being used as they're supposed to be used? Hmm. How about this? Now? No, No, you guys are a bunch of no people. They're meant to be used by putting them together. And you can do all kinds of cool things. In fact, I'm gonna, Build you now the most amazing wall you've ever seen. Are the Legos now being used as they were designed? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, with Legos, you can go a lot more complicated than this. I've got a picture here. Uh, people do amazing things with Legos. It's just astonishing. And I'm sure some of you have seen these kind of things before. But here's one. It's just incredible. I mean, there's nothing supporting here. Um, there, there's nothing seemingly supporting these branches and canopies and yet, they are connected. They are being supported back here, uh, but they are doing that in a way that gives the opportunity to make to fashion an incredible creation, because they're linked together in a way that affords them the opportunity to do that. Now <clears throat> in Acts 2020, 20, uh, Paul. The Apostle Paul defines for us a uh, sp- mature spiritual vision, Acts 2020. 20. So this is uh, to have 20 2020 vision, you could say, you need to know that you know that I have not hesitated, Paul says, to preach anything that would be helpful to you and have taught you publicly larger group setting, and from house to house, smaller group setting. not most. Churches in this day and age were, you know, in homes. So, you know, there are twenty people, forty people, two, three, four families, that kind of thing. So here's the deal: as we, as a church, grow bigger and bigger, presuming that God gives us favor to touch more and more people with the gospel, we have to also grow smaller and smaller. Large group, small groups. So. Here at Life Church, we have presented um, you with two possible ways to experience connected community. And they are life groups and serve teams. It's in these environments that people in this body or in other congregations and groups I've been in have the opportunity to um, support with food, time, a spouse at the loss of of their spouse, someone with a a significant surgery uh, that's going to require a significant amount of healing, and uh, the person is looking for uh, the opportunity to do a certain thing that involves some um, other items, and the team gathers it around and buys (laughs) hundreds of dollars of those items to assist them to do that people have supported each other and and in that environment celebrated a baptism of of their members together, maybe it's here uh, like next week, maybe it's in the lake at following their small group meeting uh, but they did it together there are people who have been healed because of the prayers or sustained through a time of healing with meals to their house those kinds of things, there are people who've lost jobs, there are people who've gained jobs, people rejoice or cry with, pray for all of those settings, there are people who've learned to share, to talk to uh, be transparent parent with the self and and you can see that happening over time in ways they never have before in the context of the safety of a connected community. So, our definition of a life group. A life group consists of three or more people who gather to build community, grow and serve together. Uh, They can meet anywhere from uh, uh, two to four times a month Definition of a serve team, a serve team is a small group of people who serve together on Sunday mornings or for other occasions. Uh, You meet them all the time, they have tags on in here, they're out uh, in the lobbies, they're in the children's wing, they're uh, in here serving you. Um, But they're part of a connected community. They're they're serving, they're working, they're actually uh, solving some problems at times, they're overcoming things and they're laughing at times, they learn to enjoy and trust each other connected community, so there is a construction process of God going on in your life, your individual life, but it requires a community. There's a construction process going on in the church, but it requires the participation of individuals. So, Maybe it's time for you this morning. Um, what I hear God saying is, is the call to us uh, this morning is to say, come, experience connected community. And as scary as that might sound or beyond where you're at, uh, I'm going to ask you to just consider this. Maybe it's time to take that connect card that's uh, in, in, in front of you in, in, the, in the seat back. And, and, and you're right. I would like someone to contact me about the possibility of being part of a life group. Or I would like someone to contact me about the possibility of joining a serve team. All kinds of serve teams, all kinds of things you can do. And if you know what kind of area that might want to be, you could say that. And someone will, will contact you about that. But you can turn that card in uh, at the welcome center and in the black box in the back. Uh, one of those black boxes, it'd be an opportunity for you to say, Well, God, I hear you speaking. Um, what else is there to consider about the specific dynamic of community life here at Life Church? So let's stand. <clears throat> now, I know that. I don't want to say this or not. Because you, some will, because I say it, then do it. just. You know, this is not the kind of a message. And neither of the first two services have people streamed up front and say, hey, great message. <laughs> it's because you're, we're defying something more that God wants for us and something that's not the easiest to give for us. And I I get it, I get it. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, we are asking for those in this body who have tasted and seen that connection in this body has rich rewards along with the opportunities to stretch and grow. We're asking that those testimonies will become more and more and more and more. And we're asking for the courage to say, where's my next step that I can take to embrace this value of connected community? Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.